Welcome to the Jesus Didn't Die for This Podcast with your hosts, Annie Cinco and Dean Ruiz. It's just two millennial women facetiously unpacking their generational, religious, and personal trauma. However, and wherever you enjoy your podcast, we hope you'll spend some time with us. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, it's time for the show. Hello. Welcome to Jesus Didn't Die for This. I'm Annie Cinco. And I'm Dean Reeves. And we're very excited to be here for our second episode. It's been happening very fast. <laughs> we were just talking that it's been happening very fast. And um, it's great. So let's see. I think we're a little bit past 100 followers on Instagram now. Mm-hmm. What are we at? We are at 115. 115. We're at 115 uh, followers on Instagram. Our pilot got downloaded 10 times. It's more than that now. I think we're up to 17. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> we are very grateful, very excited. Oh, please let us know what you think of the new intro. Yes. We have a new intro courtesy of my friend Austin. And I will put where you can follow him. Some We'll put it somewhere in the notes or something. We'll share it on Instagram. But yes, Thank you, please. Austin. Yes, thank you very much to Austin. So yeah, and we have a lot of other fun things happening. Yeah, we got some exciting guests lined up that we, we can't wait we to share with y'all. I know, this is so, it's like overwhelmingly exciting. But yeah, so this is episode two, I guess, like for a time stamp, we're in April and it's right before Easter and we're going to take a little break for Easter. Easter is also my birthday, my 30th birthday. Yes. Are, are you doing anything like? Yes, um, I'm avoiding. Well, I officially broke up with my family. We are fully right. no contact. Right. Um, so for my 30th, my boyfriend rented out a house um, just on a lake. So a lot uh, of my really close friends are coming and we're going to spend a few nights there. And then a lot of people are going to be coming over the weekend just for like for the day. But we have a lot of yard games, going to do some grilling, hopefully get some kayaks out. And then I took the week after off and so did he. So we're just kind of looking at the weather around the United States and going to go somewhere warm. Um, right now we're it. thinking hopefully like North Carolina go to Asheville and do some brewery tours there mm-hmm. but or we might go to Savannah we might go to Portland just wherever the sun is shining and wherever it's relatively um, affordable it. to travel I love it that's so exciting are you going to be taking the cats with you no not no <laughs> They, we used to move a lot. They have moved over seven times with us and it's traumatic for them. Oh no, I can't even imagine. Very traumatic for them. We always, his family lives about six hours away from us. So we always say, even just going up there, we wish we could just load them in the car because they love his mom's dog and they love that house. So we actually lived there for a little bit when we moved back from the West Coast. But I don't think we could ever do that for them again. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. They'll, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll be glad to have the house to themselves, I'm sure. I think they, I think they like us more when we're gone. <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And, and they love their babysitter. Auntie oh. Julianne is the best. Oh, I love it. 
So we're very excited. We're trying to figure out how we're going to structure this podcast and our topics. But this one was a big one. This one that we're going to talk about this week is a big one. And uh, we also know that it's going to be a multi-part. Most of our topics are going to be crossing multi-parts. So this is just the first of many, many, many on this topic. Do you want to introduce this topic? Because I feel, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So while we were brainstorming and especially talking about things that crossed both of our experiences growing up in the church and growing up evangelical, something that came up a lot was um, just age gap love, especially younger women dating older men, but then also extremely early marriages and early meaning married very young. And then the focus at least in my experience, on the longevity of the marriage is the predictor of the health of the marriage. And it's like, that's almost something that I witnessed in some of my family members is like, couldn't wait to get married because they wanted to have the 50 year anniversary or the 75 year anniversary. And it's just like, wait a second. Like, I don't think like, sure, if that's working for you, that's good. But I don't think that should be our main focus here. So something we wanted to start unpacking today was just the early marriage in the church, love in the church, what those relationships look like, what healthy relationships look like, and maybe why we didn't see that growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole concept of love, church, and marriage is so multifaceted. And, and like you said, there is an emphasis on if you've been together for a long time, that's a good thing but they don't really talk about what's happening during all of that time that you guys are together. And for me, that's kind of what stuck out. We found some like current events things too, to stay relevant. Dusted off our journalism skills. We did, we did. Yeah, so for me growing up, the one of the models that I had was my grandparents. They all lived in the same geographic areas. I spent a lot of time with them. And they, one of my earliest memories was their 50th anniversary. So now they've been together for almost 75 years. Like it's been that long. And that was something that I think all my cousins and just all my family members kind of looked to. And we all really respected them for that and really appreciated that for them. And also my parents got married super young. My mom was 18. My dad was 22. And that was just the expectation is that you would be brought up in the church. You would find your man. Then you would get married and you may go to college. You may not. Like it's kind of optional based on how godly this man is and how good he can provide for you. But there was just no other choice not to. It was very much knowing that I was raised within my family. So coming from my dad and that my dad was raising me and my parents were raising me to be this godly Christian woman. And then eventually this man would be given to me by God and it would be blessed. And after some courtship, where it's very predetermined that, you know, we're dating, but we're not touching, we're definitely not kissing, then we would get married. And there was always the illusion of choice, I guess, in that you you could choose to, like, go to college. You could choose not to do that, but that was also, like, then it's like, okay, what are you opening the doors to? Like, why don't you want to do this? What are you wanting to do instead? Is it sin? Like, and it's just like, no, maybe I just wanted to be myself or maybe I just wanted to explore that. 
But I think what was so confusing for me too in that is I did meet a boy that I really liked. Of course, I'm a teenager. I'm interested in other people. And just seeing how much that got corrupted by purity culture and how disgusting I felt about myself because I'm constantly having this internal conflict of like, I like him, but I can't lead him on or I can't be too revealing or I can't do this or can't do that. And if he does like me, then somehow it's almost like it's my fault because then I made him like me. And that's a sin because now he's lusting after me. And it's like, but I want him to lust after me. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. <laughs> like I'm a teenager. These are hormones. This is what we're doing. So it's just so funny to me to see, especially now with my goddaughters, like being in their early teens and seeing them like start to date and start to figure some of that stuff out, just seeing the difference between what a healthier environment and a more supportive environment can do in those early relationship stages, especially as a teenager, that they know they're supported, they know where the boundaries are, of course, they're pushing them, who doesn't? <laughs> but the rules are in place. Hopefully you make safe choices and have fun. So just seeing how much of that could have changed and how so much of the negative impact that had on me could have been avoided because then eventually what happened is that all just went sideways. And then I started getting out of Christianity. But then within two years, I'm now dating somebody that's 10 years older than me. I moved out of my house. I'm punching way above my weight. And I'm in all of these relationships now as an adult that I was never prepared for. Not just sexually, not just relationship like wise, not just as a partner, but in general, like all this stuff had never, ever been modeled for me. And a lot of what had been modeled for me, I learned later was toxic. So what is then feeling normal, quote unquote, to my nervous system is actually all these relationships that are hurting me. But that's how I was brought right. up is like there was always hurt and love that always existed together. There was never one yeah. without the other. So it was an extremely confusing time, extremely stressful. And it took me a long time to be able to sort through that and to start learning like what actually is a healthy relationship and what can be positive and how to mm -hmm. be that partner to my partner now. And it's been an extremely long journey. But I look back at the church and I look back at some of the articles I read and it's just like, I cannot believe I came from there. Yeah, just listening to you recap that is like, it's scary how relatable that is. Yeah. It's scary how it's such a universal experience, especially that part about you have all these relationships that you don't know how to deal with. I think for me, the one that's made it the most difficult is just friendship yeah. because I was in church several times a week and like we saw each other all day on Sunday. And so it was easy to maintain a friendship and, and you're a child. And so it makes it even easier. But now as an adult, it's like impossible to maintain a friendship. It's impossible to like be able to know how to relate to someone because if you don't have, it's like, I don't know how to relate to someone if they don't already have this thing that they've carried through their childhood with me. 
And I know I've mentioned it before, but I still have a lot of my childhood friends. And like, I'm so grateful for that because if I didn't have them, I wouldn't have anybody. It's overwhelming. It it is like when you start to, I mean, just not having examples of different kinds of relationships is also a big thing that I think is, it's interesting because my experience is slightly different than yours because all of my grandparents have been divorced and remarried multiple times. So I, it's funny, I have like four grandmas, you know, I have like four grandpas or whatever. It, so it's funny because that was just sort of like, I knew it was bad as a child to like to be divorced. But I also remember being quite young and having a moral conflict because I was like, does that mean I love it was my it was talking about my step grandmother versus my biological grandmother. And it was like, does that mean I love her more than my biological grandmother? Because it was like, I like them both. I wanted them both to be my grandma. And I called them both grandma. And it was this. And that definitely has to do with like a cultural thing of like, that's trauma my grandmother, my grandparents were having to deal with, figuring that out. Absolutely. But it's a lot. It's a lot. And like, even just trying to sit here and think about how to describe everything, it can be very just like, oh, now I'm just blanking. Exactly. Yes, my parents, parents, both divorced. One of my grandmothers was in a abusive relationship for the majority of my life, for a majority of my childhood. And I didn't know it was abusive at the time. And I found out later, but it was very contentious. It was always very contentious whenever we were over there. That's one. And then the other one is one of my grandfathers got remarried and I fucking love my grandma. Aww. They are, they're actually probably one of my only like good relationship examples. Oh, yay. Now that I think about it, they're very, they respect each other. They treat each other as equals. They are a team. And I've always loved that. I've always loved that she doesn't boss my grandpa around and he doesn't boss her around and they listen to each other. And, you know, they're with the generation and the time, you know, it's just like, oh, grumpy, grumpy, whatever, whatever, that sort of thing, (laughs) nag, nag, that sort of thing. But there's love there. And it's very obvious that there's love there and there's respect there. And then my dad's parents got divorced way, I don't even know when, like way before I was born, when my dad was little. But so my, my abuela, it's funny because I grew up calling him by like his nickname because I just, that's just what everyone called him. And then I realized I was like, oh, I'm not calling him grandpa, but he's more my grandpa. So I've switched to calling him abuelo and they're an amazing, sweet couple. Just this is a grandma who has arthritis and he will take care of my grandma. He'll come into the kitchen and be like, Sylvia, what are you doing? Like, why are you carrying this? You know, just like, you know, and she's like, I can do it. And he's like, no, you know, and he feeds her birds. She has birds Aww. and he'll like remember to feed her birds. So they're and they're very sweet. And he's a hard worker and I love them. And then so it was a healthy environment as far as knowing that like there's going to be yelling, there's going to be screaming, there's going to be fights, there's going to be arguing. But as long as there's love. And that's something that's like really big to me because I'm like, a lot of people have this mentality of don't go to bed angry. Right. Fuck that. Fuck that. Go to bed angry. Go to bed angry. It's fine. You'll be fine. I've been talking about this with my therapist for just adjacent things. Just becoming okay with having your feelings. Yes. And like sometimes as humans, you need to just lash out for 10 minutes and then walk away and then you come back and it's like, hey, I'm sorry. 
I was in overdrive. So I am grateful for that because that is a dynamic that I've learned from all of my life where it's just like, yeah, we're going to yell at each other. We're going to scream at each other. We might say things we don't mean. And then in five minutes, everything's going to be fine because we don't hold it in. You know, and I think that's something that the Christian church in particular likes to do is just kind of like set, let things sit and fester. And they're just like, because at least that way everything looks good. Like no one wants to have like a blowout at church. You know, no one wants to like have like a screaming match at church or like anything like that. But for my family, it was like, yeah, we'll have an argument. We'll have an argument during lunch. Like, well, you'll see everyone being mad at each other, whatever. We'll go to the bathroom and cry, and then we'll be fine in five minutes. So I'm grateful for that. For my parents' relationship, it's very weird because I told my mom to her face. I'm like, you are the weirdest feminist I've ever met in my life. Um, because she is, she is, my mom is a feminist and she will hate that I said that because she doesn't want to identify as a feminist. Um, something about bra burning and I'm just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> the very immigrant Latina, but also strong, independent woman of like, you don't need anybody. Yes. You know, I can do bad all by myself. That's the kind of person my mom is. And I love that because that's, I got that from her. If I didn't have that. I wouldn't be who I am today and I wouldn't have the ability to do the things that I'm doing right now in my life. And my dad is very much, he, he holds it down. He is a steadfast rock. But there is a, like a power dynamic in my parents' relationship. And it's very interesting because under the name of the church, my dad has to be the one in charge. Yes. But culturally, most places are matriarchal. And there's a reason for that. Yes. There's a reason why so many cultures aren't matriarchal, and it's because it just makes sense, because they are equipped for that. You know, they're already doing it all. Even if you think back to cultures that had macho men, like Vikings and shit like that, like their women were in charge. So, so it's very interesting because it is very much strong, independent woman, supportive man, but also the man is the provider, the man is the head, the man is the rock, like all of that stuff. So I don't know. It's weird because I have definitely seen things where it'll be like, oh, I don't know. Your father's the one in charge. It's your father's decision. And it's like, no, it isn't. Don't, don't lie to me. Let's all be honest about what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't lie to me. Like whatever. I'm, you know, I, your father's the head of the family. No, he's not. <laughs> There's two heads to this family. I'm the neck in this family. Yes. Okay? I'm the neck in this family. But yeah, so that was kind of off of what you were saying. That has really carried over into my relationship with my now husband. Because I was just thinking about what you were saying earlier that the whole idea of like, oh, I want to have like many X amount of years of like marriage. And it's just like, like Nate and I are going to have been together for seven years, but like, we've only been married for like five months, <laughs> you know? Yep. I don't even know if Nick and I are ever going to get married. That's just... I honest, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. Yes. Because that goes into being ready, whatever being ready means. It means you went to premarital counseling with your pastor and you agreed to share bank accounts. No, like that was it's like... I know. <laughs> So my examples for my relationship dynamics was I always expected to be with a man who was going, I always expected to be with a man, P 
period, hinting at something there. (laughs) And And then from there, it was always like, I was a strong, independent woman. I was going to go to college. I was going to do my own thing. And I was going to find this guy. And he was going to be super cool with it. And we were just going to, like, do our own thing for a little bit. Then we're going to get married. And then I was going to settle down. And then I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And then, you know, and then maybe when our kids are, like, a certain age and our kids are in school, then I can get back into the workforce, you know. That was kind of what I expected life to be like. And because I was homeschooled, because I had a big family, a lot of people expected that to be my life as well. And I remember, I remember at first I was super okay with it. Because I was like, yeah, whatever, like, this is fine. Like, this feels normal. Like, I'm going to have a big house and have a minivan, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then I remember my grandma, she was just like talking to me about something. And she was talking about someone's recent birth. And she talked about how, like, sometimes people get snipped when they're giving birth, like how sometimes you have to get cut. And I remember I screamed and I said, I'm never having a baby. And since then, (laughs) I have been very, very like, nope, that's never happening. Never happened. And it was like, oh, you know, you're little. It'll be like I was like seven. And I was just like, I'm never having a kid. I'm never having a kid. I was like, that's the most disrespectful thing I could ever possibly think of. And I remember, like, even now, to this day, this same grandmother will be like, Nadine, are you pregnant? And I'm just like, no, I told you, <laughs> like, 20-something years ago, I'm never having a baby. You thought I was joking, but I'm not. I'm not. I meant it then, and I mean it now. I sure fuck mean it now. <laughs> and, like, but that was, like, the thing. The thing was just, like, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom at some point. And I remember being yep. like, it was going to be difficult, but it was going to be worth it because I'm going to have my kids and my kids would make it all worth it. And no, no, <laughs> there are, I'm not going to lie, you know, like I'm 28, almost 29. There are some days where I'm like, oh gosh, having a kid sounds like so fun. But then I realized you're there for the entirety of their life, for the entirety of your life. For as long as you're alive, you have to be there with them. And I'm just like, I don't want that. I really, I really, really don't want that. And I remember realizing that I didn't want to have kids in my 20s. I remember in my early 20s, right before, like, I was, like, still on the cusp of, like, not yet left the church, but starting to realize I didn't belong there. I remember when I realized that I didn't want to have kids, and I was like, this isn't going to work. Like, this isn't going to work. I remember just being like, I'm never going to be able to get married to someone who's a Christian man, because there will always be this undertone of, when are we having kids? Yes. So I basically knew that I was never going to get married because I would never find a guy who would be okay with never having kids unless it turned out I was infertile and that way then it'd be fine. So it was like this weird hope that maybe I couldn't have babies because then at least that way I'd have a legitimate reason as to why I didn't want kids. And it's very dark when I say it out loud now. Yes. That's very dark. Well, and realizing that we're going through this as kids and like having these thoughts or even like into our early 20s, because I had the same thoughts. Like I was in the same boat. Like I never, I was told and what was modeled for me was all of these relationships and all of these things where it's like you very much, it was a trajectory. 
and you went along with it and sure like whatever x is that you do together like in your four to five years where you're free before you have kids it was just that's like your one thing and that's your one shot and it's just like I want that to be my whole life well it's also just this like this like panic of like trying to fit everything you can yeah. And I feel like that definitely happened with me and my current, like, I'm just realizing <laughs> I'm having such a hard, and we can keep this clip, what I'm about to say. I'm having such a hard time processing how it, imp- how growing up and things like that impacted my current relationship because I didn't ever sit down to realize that I had all of these preconceived notions and ideas that I was still dragging into this relationship. You know, Nate and I have said that we don't want to have kids, but yet there's always been this urge in me to be like, well, we have to do all of the fun stuff now. And so that way it'll be over. So that way when it's over, it's okay. And it's like, it's never going to be over. Like if we decided not to have kids, then there's never going to be this time in which we have to just like basically let ourselves die to raise someone else. And I think like the, the idea of having kids is very much letting a part of yourself die to raise someone else. And I am very much of the opinion that not everyone should have kids, you know? And um, I think it really didn't hit me until my friends started having kids that it's like, oh, this is a big deal. You know, I feel like growing up, we were told, like, you get married and you have kids. And it was like very flippant. It was just sort of like, whatever, you just, it's a thing that you do. But now I have two godsons and like a goddaughter. And it's not a big, it's a big fucking deal. Like, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And like, you just may, and as someone whose mom had me when I was 18, if my daughter came to me when she was 17 and said that she was pregnant, I would not have done what my grandma did. My grandma was like, oh, you're getting married. I'd be like, no, we're, go- we're you're taking this thing out right now. Get- let's go. Just get it out. Nope. Like I, yep. I would never force someone to do that, but I would just be like, hey, as your mom, I think you should get rid of it. Like just at 17, at 18. Absolutely. And that's why healthcare needs to exist and why these places need to exist because it's not just, for so, I mean, for so many reasons, but also what you're doing with somebody else's life as the mother, like what you're setting them up then and forcing them to go through is just even more traumatic and going to create exponentially more problems. It's, it's just, it's, it's literally insane. The church really does kind of push this whole stay-at-home mom thing where it's like, t- to an extent, women are breeders. <laughs> women are breeders in the church and like I'm not saying that being a birthing parent being a mother being a surrogate like that's amazing like all power to you but not everyone is made for that and so you know like we said there has definitely there are people out there who are like god I wish I'm infertile so that way at least I'm not a bad person for not wanting to have a kid you know and it's like that's really fucked up that's really fucked up is really fucked up that just because we have certain pieces of anatomy, we were expected to fulfill extremely important and extremely 
all-encompassing life roles that not everybody's no. cut out for. And as an individual, I get to make that decision just because mm-hmm. I have a uterus doesn't mean that it is either hospitable to children or that it's meant to carry children. And after everything that I've gone through with my body, just the thought of growing another human, birthing them, and then raising them literally for the rest of the days of my life, always having something else someone else there is incredibly beautiful on one hand, but on the other hand, it's just like, nah, that's not where I'm at. I've had 30 years of my life, almost 30 years of my life that weren't mine. And I was trapped inside of that life. So now it's like I can, and this is what um, one of the things that made me realize too, that I had to eventually go no contact with my parents is one of the last times I saw my dad, actually, he was just literally asking me and Nick, he was just like, I don't get it. What are you doing? And we're like, what do you mean? What are we doing? Like we love each other. We are in a very, very healthy, respectful relationship with each other. We have a beautiful apartment. We have two awesome cats. We have two two great careers. We have businesses that we're working on. We have trips that we have planned. We have so much of our life that we are just enjoying Mm -hmm. right now. Like we don't need to do the whole contract thing Mm -hmm. at the moment. And we definitely don't have the savings to do the wedding Mm -hmm. at the moment. So if you're going to help out with that, then maybe, but I know that you're not. So yes. And I can relate to that because going back to childhood, so like growing up, it was very like, I was really much raised as your life is dedicated to God. And one day he's going to bring someone into your life. But like, you don't go looking for that person. You focus on you. You focus on your life. You focus on getting an education. You focus on making yourself a better person. And when the time is right, God will bring someone into your life. And in high school, God, quote, brought someone into my life, unquote. But it was the wrong person. Oh, I hate it when God does that. My mom told me that I was the wrong person because God had told her that I was going to be with a person of this ethnicity and or like this race. And I was like, oh, well, glad he told you that. (laughs) I feel like that could have been like helpful (laughs) for me to know. But anyway, so God brought someone into my life and because I was 16 and I was going to be married by the time I was like 22, you know, but I wanted to like date and like be with him for a few years before I got married. I was just like, oh, this is it. This is, we're going to be together forever. This is going to be amazing. We're never going to kiss until we get to the altar, which that didn't happen. And all of this stuff. And he wasn't it. (laughs) He wasn't it, you know? Um, He was just a teenage boy. And you know what? I, it took me several years to realize that I was angry. Not so much that my, my parents didn't approve of him as like for my husband, but that my parents couldn't see the validity of my emotions at the time. Because yes, I was not, I was as in love with him as any 16 year old could have ever been. And because of him, he, he's actually no longer with us. He, um, because of him, I learned what love felt like. I learned what like non-platonic uh, love felt like. And like what I know now as a 28-year-old and what I knew then as a 16-year-old, I didn't love him. It was hormones. It was chemicals. It was like, I was attracted to him. That's what it was. I was attracted to him. I was intrigued by him. I I wasn't, I wasn't in love with him. Our relationship wasn't one of love. It was one of drama and teenage 
bullshit and teenage hormones. But I loved him as much as I could have ever loved anyone at that time. And it, it what was the most upsetting was not that it wasn't like that love wasn't respected. The first time I had ever felt a love for someone else and I told someone about it and I told my trusted a trusted person, my parents about it, it was not respected. It was not validated. It was like, this isn't it. And so that kind of caused a pattern for the entirety of my life where I was like, well, I felt this before, yeah. but it wasn't right. And I felt this before, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't godly. It wasn't okay. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy when you think about it. The, um, the, the hoops and ladders they tried to make you go through where they're just like, they, they try to separate the ideas of attraction and love and lust and all of these things. And it's like, you can't have, you can't just pick one chemical reaction without picking all of the chemical reactions because with love, you're going to have lust. You're going to have attraction. You're going to have all of these things piled up together. And that's not what is the defining factor of whether or not this is love. What the defining factor of whether or not this is love, in my personal opinion, if a relationship is toxic, it is not love. That's just, yes. and I mean, this is like professionally defined, like, you know, so that's what you should be looking at. You should be looking at things for like toxic relationships and like power dynamics and all of that stuff. Absolutely. It's when you were talking about that, it was reminding me too of speaking a pattern relationships that I had later on in life, especially when I started online dating. I met a few people and actually really connected with one of them. And he was Latino. He had every, he was um, in a very acclaimed career field. He was definitely like on a path, like pursuing higher education. He had on paper almost everything that my parents and especially my dad could want because he always told me marry rich and I was like all right so I found the doctor what more do you want from me and just hearing that and or like trying to talk to them about how I'm feeling about him and all these things and also it's just invalidated because God also told my parents spoiler alert that he wasn't the right man for me and it is so confusing and it's so confusing too in my experiences conflict within relationships was never modeled my parents actually prided themselves on the fact that they never had a fight in front of us mm. kids and that if there was conflict it was just avoided so what did that mm. teach us though everything gets bottled up and i sorry that just reminded <laughs> me of nate has been making me go through tv shows that i've never seen so we started king of the yep. hill and um there's an episode where hank teaches his niece just to swallow his to swallow her emotions and oh, I was no. just like, oh, and I literally turned to Nate and was like, this is your family. <laughs> this is what you guys do. And he was just, I was like, this is such a wasp thing. This is, this is you guys. This is like, this is a Midwest thing. This is you guys. <laughs> He's like, the minute you feel any sort yes. of emotion, just bottle it up. And she's like, now I feel sick. He's like, that's it. And he's, that's fine. <laughs> this is what we're aiming for. Um, absolutely. And then it was so frustrating, too, to come into a relationship with Nick where 
he did have healthy relationship dynamics and he is expressive and he is loving and caring and knows how to knows how to talk through things without it becoming like an all out brawl where I was just like, it's either one or the other. (laughs) And either either we're conversing like humans or I'm throwing shit at you. There is no two ways about this. And it was so hard for me too, because he would just be like, you just needed to like talk about it. And I was like, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to yeah. do any of this. Like, so it's really been yeah. teaching or like teaching myself just how to navigate within relationships and what a healthy dynamic is because Nick sure as hell is not the head of this household. <laughs> the cats are the head of the household. Exactly. They run the show. We are very aware that we're just their humans and we're here to exist and to please them. And we're okay with that. That is what we signed up for. So I go to work every day knowing that it is to fill Pod's bowl and that it is so he can have new toys every Sunday because that is the demands. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening yeah, this week, thank everyone. Thank you for listening to and what was supposed to be a very specific uh, topic, but as we said earlier, um, this topic is very nuanced and it's very broad. And um, we're realizing that even as we're recollecting, we're doing some unpacking as we're recollecting. It's not just we're not always just on the outside looking in. Sometimes we end up getting back in there. We end up sifting through everything that's in there. And um, so we, we thank you for um, your patience as we kind of figure this out with ourselves but um we also hope that this helps you feel empowered to kind of go and rummage through that shit you've been keeping in your attic in 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 your mind's mind palace attic that uh that it's okay you're not you're not alone again that's just kind of like the whole point of this podcast it's just like you're not alone this there is no right or wrong way to deconstruct there is no right or wrong way to process things and yeah, we're just, we're, we're here to be a community. We're here to be friends and help, helps and guides. And, um, all of your messages are, are amazing. All of your responses to our stories and our comments are amazing. And we're just super appreciative of it. And yeah, the ride didn't start off great, but we're gonna enjoy the rest of it. Yes. So. So, yeah. Absolutely. Been a little bit of a bumpy start, but we're finding our ground, finding our feet. I hope having these conversations out loud is just helpful to you to make you think and maybe have some of these conversations mm-hmm. with other people. So we hope you keep listening to us. And we have a really awesome musical artist guest coming for we our do. next episode. So we can't wait for you to meet oh my them. Gosh. Very exciting. Thank you guys for being here. Um, we love you. Drink water, book your therapy appointment, and we'll see you next time. Right. Make sure you get outside and see the sun. Yes. Go stand in the sun, you complex plant. All right, y'all. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. This has been the Jesus Didn't Die for This podcast with Andy Cinco and Dean Ruiz. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, however and wherever you may enjoy your podcast. We'll see you next time.